0: What happens when your inner gremlin rears its ugly head once you decide to embark on something new? Pushing yourself to new heights can awaken the negative inner voice that's trying to protect you from horrible outcomes. Reminding yourself that your inner gremlin is just a voice will diminish its power and allows you to see the beauty that you'll experience stepping into your new journey ahead. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all out on Amazon and is now a bestseller. With me today is Lynette Pretorius. She is a past Shopify senior lead and global merchant experience for customer success. Nowadays, she's a VP of operations at Carbon Six. She loves getting creative with business solutions that puts customers first. Her other passions include leadership development, watching women thrive at work, and thinking about the intersection of personal growth and professional success. And oh, wait, we ended up connecting because I came across her initiative of hashtag read more women. And I'm so grateful that Lynette went out and promoted my book on her social media channels during the release of my book as well. So on today's episode, Lynette speaks on how she has redefined the meaning of success and how building a strong community of support assists her in making big moves. Here we go. Okay, Lynette. Right off the bat, talk to me about your inner gremlin and how you've seen it or heard it come up from time to time.
1: Well, I hear from my gremlin on an almost daily basis in my role. I think one of the most exciting things about my role is that I get to do lots of things that I've never done before and I get to learn. And I'm lucky to have, you know, the trust of the rest of my team to let me run with some of those things and learn on the job but it also means that my gremlins can be pretty loud about, you know, you don't know what you're doing and uh, you're going to fail or people are going to notice they trusted you, but they're going to notice that you don't know what you're doing. And I would love for anyone listening. this just to hear that it's, it's not something I've conquered. It's something that it's my, I mean, constant conversation with my gremlins and it's a constant process for me to employ the strategies that I have found to be helpful in order to work with my gremlins and to work around them And I think if you want to push yourself, stretch yourself, go into uncomfortable places where you're learning, you know, I was just saying to someone the other day, I think it's two sides of the same coin. One side is ugly. It's the gremlins. But the other side is that you are learning. You are doing things that maybe you've never done before, or you are, you know, stretching yourself. And I wouldn't trade one side of the coin for the other. So for me, it's like figuring out how to live in harmony with both of those things.
0: That is so fascinating because I think at times... Because I know for me, when I was in my own deep dark abyss and that inner gremlin was the only voice I heard, that's when I started to realize I'm like, it can't be the only one. However, when I started to create awareness around it and started to understand how it spoke to me and why it spoke to me, and then I recognized, you know what, I actually have to thank it at times because not only did it protect me, but it did... Push me a little bit outside of my comfort zone, may not have been in the nicest way. So I choose to speak different ways now, but I do have to thank it at times because it did get me to where I am today. And what you just described, that it doesn't necessarily go away, that's been a recurring theme. So when it does come up now and you notice it, is it? easier to move through? Or is it something that you see it and you're like, okay, I recognize what's happening right now and you create a reframe. What does that look like for you?
1: I know you and your other guests have talked about this on your podcast before, but I do find that one of the most helpful things I can do in, the, in that moment when the gremlin is a little bit louder than, you know, that I can just ignore is to, is to voice it to somebody, is to talk to someone about it, whether that be, you know, my boss at work or whether that be my friend's just to give it voice i think that takes away some of its power to call it what it is and to call it that out loud and by the way i've heard some people even have success talking to a rubber duck on their desk like it doesn't always have to be a person although it's really helpful when you have people that you can voice that to and i think telling the story to yourself of what well just telling it out loud or writing it down what is the story that you're telling yourself about this situation and for me even if i can't quite convince myself that i you know that i know what i'm doing to just acknowledge that there are other possible stories to tell myself a couple of other versions that could also be true outcomes that could also happen from this, not just you know people are going to find out your failure, but something positive that comes out of it. And even though I don't have to convince myself that that positive thing is going to happen, just letting my brain realize that there are other possibilities here for me personally is is a really, really helpful strategy. It's just just to acknowledge that multitude of possible outcomes that could come up.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Now, you just before we started recording, we were talking about your shift from working at Shopify to shifting into a role of VP Ops at Carbon Six. Now, that was stepping outside your comfort zone. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's my first time in an executive role. It's my first time in a pure operations role like this. And every day I get to do things that I've never done before which was one of the big draws for me. That was one of the reasons that I decided to come over to Carbon Six. It's always been helpful for me to ground myself back in my core values. And I know that one of mine is continuous improvement. And that looks all kinds of different ways for myself, for those around me, for the processes that I work on in, in operations. And learning is a huge part of that. And I, um, I knew that being exposed to things that I've never done before it always in the past has really maximized my learning and my growth during those phases. And so leaving Shopify was a very, very difficult decision for me because I was learning a lot when I was there. I was being stretched in different ways when I was there. And it was actually the same impetus that brought me to Shopify in the first place was that I felt that I could learn things that in my role at Shopify that I probably could never have learned in the role that I was in or the company I was in before that, even if I stayed another you know five or 10 years. So faced with two paths, And not knowing, you know, which one to take, I had to be very thoughtful about the decision and and spend a lot of time thinking about it. But I kind of did a little bit of future visioning of my future self, imagining myself taking these two paths and which one of the paths I would more regret not taking. And for me, I just felt that not taking a leap, doing the scary thing, going in, taking a risk on myself, on this company that I believe in, I believe so much in what we're doing and what we're building and that there's so much potential there but also acknowledging there was some risk to that i knew that my future self would regret not taking that chance and not diving in despite some of the you know craziness that comes with joining a startup and so many of the unknowns and to me that was really the thing that took me over the edge of deciding to come over to carbon six
0: i don't think people give themselves the opportunity to be able to ask those hard questions at times cuz it, it you have to really look at it from a bird's eye view and Yes, pay attention to your risk management and then look at opportunities of growth and give yourself the permission to be able to say, okay, I can do this. And even though it's going to be challenging, I know I can still do this. Now for women in particular, women tend to undersell themselves and have a harder time being able to step into that confidence saying, okay, I'm going to apply for that position or whatever it looks like at that company, organization, or personal growth. And for yourself, what would you say to someone else or even the people that you've mentored presently or in the past in regards to, okay, I'm in this position. Maybe I'm happy. Maybe I'm unhappy. Whatever the situation is, but I need to put myself into that next phase of where I'm going. How long do you sit and contemplate on something?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I want to um, redirect a little bit from the exact thing you asked me, because I think I wouldn't be doing anyone a service to not say that it is okay to pick the other path that doesn't push you, you know, the maximum out of your comfort zone. It would have been okay if I decided to stay at Shopify and I didn't take this specific risk. There's different things that are right for us in different seasons. And some seasons are the right season to take on extra risk and to push ourselves really far out of our comfort zone. And other seasons we're depleted and we need to rest or we need comfort, or we need security, or we've got other things going on. So I did just want to say that, that I don't think the only right option for myself or for any woman is to always choose the path that pushes you the maximum outside of your comfort zone. At this point, at this season, and this point in my career, and for my and in alignment with my own core values, it was the right decision for me. There's quite a few frameworks that I use and that I have passed along to others that help me think through these types of career decisions that are very, very difficult to make. And one of my favorite strategies that I like to use is a pro con list with a little twist. So just writing down for it, say you've got two things in front of you. It actually works the best when you have sort of two things in front of you to just write down what are the pros, what are the cons. But after you go through that list, just identify what, which of the items that you wrote down there do you actually know for sure? And which of them is a story that you're telling yourself, which is an assumption because maybe, you know, you think if you stay where you are, you're not going to have growth opportunities. Is that a fact or is that a story that you're telling yourself? And then once you've narrowed it down and you kind of got all the facts out of the way and you're left with the, the stuff that you really haven't validated yet, it's what you think, but it's not validated. Then go through there. Are any of those deal breakers So let's just say you assume at your new position, you'll be able to get more money. Well, do you know that for a fact? Have you discussed that with the recruiter? And if that's going to be a decision-making factor for you, go and validate that thing. Go and validate the thing on that list or the couple of things on that list that would actually meaningfully make or break your decision. And don't let yourself make that decision based off of assumptions. And this has gotten me out of many a sticky spot because sometimes it's, unless we call it out, it's so hard to recognize that some of the things that we're telling ourselves are stories and not facts. But only when you write it down like that and you actually force yourself to ask, do I know this or do I think this, is when you can really get down to assumptions that you're making without even realizing it. And and you can always go and validate those. So you have the power to do that.
0: I realize this is audio, so people can't see me. And I'm like nodding along with with what you're (laughs) describing because it's such a plot twist because it is really easy like you said to write a pro con list but then not necessarily validate it or go off of emotions or those feelings that we have the uncomfortable feelings or Maybe you're in a season of your life where you're just really tired. So that's going to affect how you see certain things as well. And so going in and validating and is it something you know versus something that you think. And that also gives you the opportunity to pay attention to if your inner gremlin has popped into that conversation that you're now having with yourself with the pros and con list, you get to take that inner gremlin, and put it off to the side and really go in and fact check what you need to be able to make the best possible decision for you. Oh, it's That is so good. You've got a little bit of qualitative, a little bit of quantitative with your own research, and that gives you the opportunity to make the best possible decision for yourself. Take me into, because something that I have been following on LinkedIn are all your amazing, incredible posts on just leadership and communication Tell me a little bit about what prompted you to start writing the newsletter.
1: Yeah, so I have a newsletter on LinkedIn called Read More Women, which I'll talk more about in a moment. But I, in general, I also, to your point, post about all kinds of other leadership and career development topics. And funnily enough, one of the very first articles that I wrote on LinkedIn was actually on this topic of career transitions, and it continues to be one of my the more popular Things that i put out there on LinkedIn that people bring up to me often has been helpful to them. And it's funny because that is why I started writing on LinkedIn. I've led teams for a long time. I've done coaching and mentoring, both of people who report to me and, and also just, you know, people in my network or ex, you know, employees for a very long time. And I had people coming to me and asking me for ad hoc mentoring sessions on career transitions or on other recurring topics. And I started noticing the same themes come up over and over again and what people were coming to me for coaching on. And it's always been so rewarding for me to sit with people in that moment and to hopefully provide them something of value. But it just made me realize that there were probably so many more people out there who had the same questions, maybe didn't have someone to ask, maybe didn't know who to ask, maybe didn't have the guts to ask. And I thought to myself, if I spend a half an hour coaching somebody or I spend half an hour writing a LinkedIn post on a topic that I know has come up or comes up often, And if my LinkedIn post can impact only one person, it's giving me at least the same return on that investment of my time as it is to spend half an hour with an individual. And you have the chance that it could resonate with a lot more people. Five people is already five times as many as as spending that time in a one-on-one session. And I still love mentoring one-on-one and there's different things that you get out of it. But that's why I started writing on LinkedIn and sharing. And I got a lot of positive feedback back from it, which of course encourages me even more to continue to do that. And one of the things that I wrote about that really, really resonated with people was uh, I, I actually write a lot about my different adventures in reading. I really enjoy reading different books. And I share a lot of my learnings from those books on LinkedIn and how I've applied those learnings in my own life. And I just realized in my reading that I was reading a very disproportional number of men, especially when it came to nonfiction books, especially when it came to business books. But just in general, looking at my own bookshelf, I noticed how many of those books um, were written by men versus women. And I know from the amazing books that I have read and been exposed to that it is not for lack of quality content written by women that exists out there. And so I started writing about that on my LinkedIn and that really resonated with a lot of women and men. I mean, I have men who tell me that they pick up different books from the shelf at the bookstore now, you know, because they've got that post that I, the first post I wrote on this in the back of their heads about how so many of the books you'll see on the shelf are by men. And if we all make a point to read more women, then we can actually feed back into the change that we want to see, um, which is having more women featured on those shelves. The more we buy and read those women, the more they're going to be the ones that are featured on that shelf. And there's absolutely no reason we shouldn't see at least you know the same number of books by women and books by men on those business bookshelves. There's personal development shelves and all the other nonfiction categories there are out there.
0: I think with the Read More Women and the LinkedIn posts that you're helping a lot of other people with their own inner gremlins that haven't been able to necessarily share. Because like you said, if you hear that question once or hear that statement once you're likely going to hear it again from someone else. And so to try to get that information out there to be able to give people the opportunity to understand, one, I'm not alone in this. And B, okay, what are these tangible tips to start to make these changes? That gives people the reassurance that they can step into and make those changes and give themselves the opportunity to say, hey, this isn't working for me. How do I go about doing this? And... One area that I had recently read was in regards to communication with a boss or a colleague and what that looks like in asking for feedback. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because we can be our own worst enemy (laughs) with our own feedback, that inner gremlin, which means then if we hear that on a regular basis, it's harder for us to go and ask for feedback because then if we're thinking the worst about ourselves, well, what is this other person thinking about as well. Can you comment on that on asking for feedback and how to tame that inner gremlin and recognizing that it doesn't necessarily have to be a scary place when you step into that feedback?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I again, I know that this has come up on your podcast before about just sort of having the right circle of people around you. Um, your board of directors, if you will—that's not the term you've used on before on the podcast. I think that, I stole that from Adam Grant. But it's the people who you know have your best interests at heart, who you know are rooting for you. They only have positive intent in anything that they're going to to say to you, and that they're also the kind of people who are willing to give you honest feedback, even if it might be a little bit harder to deliver or harder to hear because they're so invested in positive outcomes for you. And for me, that group of people that I would ask for feedback, that I would ask to take a look at something on LinkedIn there's some of them that are some of my close, you know, friends from a long time. Some of them are my ex colleagues, people who were managers alongside me, who you know I I talk to still, you know, years later on a daily basis. And I'll pop over one of my LinkedIn posts to them, or I'll say I'm thinking about posting about this. What do you think? So I can incorporate that in advance. And I do re- recognize how difficult it is to ask for feedback and difficult it is to receive it, and especially because we're so awkward in asking for it that sometimes we don't know how to ask for it in a way that is actually going to get us something productive back. So I would also say to anyone listening out here who feels like every time I put myself out there to ask for feedback, I either hear something hard to hear, or I don't really get what I'm looking for. Like I try so hard, it's so uncomfortable. And then I just, it's not really valuable what I get back. The art of asking for feedback, it is an art. There's lots of ways to ask for it. I would encourage you don't give up. Try asking a different way. If I say, you know, hey, Jessica, do you have any feedback for you for me? And you go... Oh, no, not really. Like, I thought it was great. And then I say, um, hey, something I've been working on is X. Did you notice uh, anything that I could be doing better in that area? Right. That's directly afterwards. I'm asking you the, the exact same question in a different way. I'm asking you for feedback. You don't even realize that I'm asking you the same question. It doesn't feel that way. But really, I am just asking in a different way. And so you can feel free to follow up with a few flavors of question until you actually draw out the kind of feedback that you are looking for from that person as well.
0: The board of directors. I love that term. It is so important. So I called it in other episodes, your trust squad, but you can call it your board of directors. You can call it whatever you want. Whatever gives you the opportunity to feel safe to be able to ask for that feedback. Because there are at times where because it is an art of feedback that you may ask the wrong people and you may not get back what you want to hear. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just gives you the opportunity to start to figure out, okay, is this someone that I do want to go back to and ask for additional feedback? So I think that's really important to understand who are those people that you go to within work, outside of work, and then what that looks like. Because it is so easy for that inner gremlin, your own inner gremlin, to be so loud and consistently stay loud even when you hear people's feedback, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to find that safety opportunity with individuals that you know that you can still be you at the end of the day. Before that first LinkedIn post that you decided to post, so let's say someone else is in that position too right now. How long did it take for you to finally say, okay, I'm going to put something out there? Or what were you thinking during that time? Because when you ask for feedback, that's you intentionally going and requesting that. But then when you put yourself out there, it's open for interpretation from anyone at that point in time, right? So tell me a little bit about that.
1: I think something that is a really powerful tool for me in many areas, including with my inner gremlin and in this case with taking a leap, is to redefine what I'm going to consider success in that scenario. So Is success the reaction that people are going to have to that post or is the success when I post? Is the success being brave enough to post? And I'll tell you something that is really helpful to me, which is just to consider what can I actually control? Because guess what I can't control is your reaction to that post, how that post made you feel. I cannot control that. What I can control is my actions and my behaviors and living in alignment with my own core values and picking a definition of success, which is actually something I can control. If I'm going to define the success for my LinkedIn post as how many likes it gets, how many reactions it gets, whether people said it was helpful or whether somebody left me a bad comment on it, I'm going to be perpetually setting myself up for disappointment because Nothing that I can do can really influence any of those things directly. Indirectly, sure, what you know, some posts might get more re- re- reactions than another one, but it's not something I can directly control. What I can directly control is I, I was brave enough to post it, and maybe yeah, I asked for feedback from my board of directors, or what are the things that I can control? And if I just stop thinking about success as how other people reacted to this thing, and the success is just that I put it out there into the world and that I was brave enough to do it. That often gets me over that hump of like, you know, not kind of spiraling in my own head about what's going to happen. And then also just detaching myself a little bit from that outcome and realizing I already succeeded. I already won when I put the post up that helps because sometimes still like I'm, I've been posting on LinkedIn for more than a year and sometimes I'll post something and for whatever reason, it falls flat. It does. You probably will go and look and you won't see it because guess what? It doesn't show up in your algorithm because it doesn't, nobody saw it, but you, you know, you don't see those ones and those do happen. And I just think it's an important lesson every time to just detach myself from that. You cannot judge your actions by the outcome that you couldn't control. You can only judge your actions by what you could control and that you lived in alignment with your own values and that you did something that you feel proud about, like being courageous posting, if that's the thing for you. It's not the thing for everybody, but it's the thing for me.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so challenging at times to be able to see that differentiation, especially when your feelings are so strong. And that becomes challenging in and of itself to partition, okay, what can I control? What can't I control? And I'll keep doing it until it starts to feel comfortable. And sometimes it just takes a significant amount of time and repeating it over and over until you do start to feel comfortable. Now, read More Women. Absolutely love it. And I feel like I can't talk enough about it because I think you opened up a dialogue that a lot of people weren't really paying attention to. And something that you said earlier on was, the more that we read it, the more that we'll be able to see these individuals on shelves and to see that make a difference. And right now, I want to know, totally putting you on the spot for this question, what books do you have that you're currently reading right now that are women authors?
1: Yeah, I just finished reading How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. And it's a beautiful book about community and friendship. It's the best book that I've ever read on that topic of friendship and community. And I'm actually, I enjoy reading about the power of platonic relationships and community. And I would definitely recommend this. And I just got a big haul of more books by women. And it's so funny because I absolutely noticed how it's changed my own buying habits. I just, ever since I started doing this, it's been a little bit less than a year that I've been putting out a monthly newsletter, I made a commitment to read at least three books a month written by women, nonfiction books written by women. And I can't get it past myself to buy a bunch of books at the store anymore without without buying books by women. I just don't feel it doesn't feel right or good anymore. And it's something that frankly a couple of years ago I probably wouldn't have thought twice about. I primarily pick based on the topic. And it's been really, really interesting to see how my own habits have changed. And I have discovered so many books that nobody has ever told me about before that nobody in my circle is necessarily reading off this book. I've never heard of it before. And I'm telling you, it's one of the, it's definitely one of the best books I've read so far this year. So yeah, it's been a really, really great and, and rewarding journey for myself. And it's just a bonus that other people seem to get value out of my monthly newsletter where I recap books, learnings that I've had from them. And you know, almost every month, someone will say, oh, I, I just picked that book up because of your newsletter, which is great. I just love to introduce people to women authors that they may have never come across before
0: getting outside and rec- like seeing just that bigger picture. And I don't think... I know for me in particular too, ever since coming across that aspect of it, I pay attention to when I step into bookstores and I'm like, okay, who am I going to? Because of course I have my role models like the Brene Brown, the Adam Grant, the Simon Sinek, the Robin Sharma's and stuff. However, in those four names that I just said, it leaned more towards male than female. And so... Reading that and paying attention to it, and especially now being an author, it's one of those where I'm like, okay, I want to be really conscious about who I'm reading, who I'm digesting, and making sure that I do have that well rounded aspect. So then, because my inner gremlin at times can lean those specific ways. And so, when you have more of that information from those different authors, it gives you the opportunity to find more information to gather to be able to help you navigate through your own inner narrative and the way that you choose to show up in the world. Lynette, this has been absolutely amazing. I love everything from the pro cons list with a twist of making sure you're validating to what you're putting out in the world and the board of directors. And I can't stress that enough. I know it's come up multiple times now, but there's a reason why it keeps coming up is you really have to find those people to lean on. Is there anything else that we can share with the audience that you have coming down the pipeline that you would like to let them know?
1: Well, if anyone is interested in getting recommendations on books written by women, I would definitely encourage them to follow me on LinkedIn and and to follow my newsletter um, to subscribe to it it's it's a LinkedIn newsletter and I do post articles and posts regularly on LinkedIn about leadership, career development, women in tech, and various other topics um, that that I think will be of value based on the questions people come to me with so If you're interested, definitely follow
0: along. Lynette really showed us how to help quiet those negative thoughts, that you can choose not to validate your inner gremlin, and that consulting your personal board of directors can help steer you in the right direction. Key takeaways from today. Number one, build your board of directors. If you've listened to past episodes or read my book, you know that I call this your trust squad. But you can call it whatever you want. Remember, take what works for you, adjust as needed, and make it your own. And that goes with any time you're doing personal or professional growth. A board of directors gives you the space to go to for support, sharing ideas, and cheering your successes on. A board of directors is a place where you can take areas that you want to grow and test them out like an experiment and you will get real opinions and critiques that allow you to gather more information or assess the hypothesis. Let me share an example. One of my board of members gives me the hard truth when I need it when it comes to my presentations. I actively seek out a couple individuals because I know that they're gonna give me the truth. Speaking is such a passion of mine and I've honed that skill over the last decade. But there is always room to grow and sometimes I can get stuck because I can't see what I can't see. That board member will sit me down and in a kind way tell me what I've flopped on or need improvement or to get me out of my head when I'm overthinking how it went. Is this uncomfortable? Totally. But when we know why we are doing it, then it becomes easier and we know that that person has our back. It's going to help us grow. Remember, I'm all for cheerleaders standing behind you supporting you, but those same cheerleaders can also cheer you on through critiques as well. Now. If those critiques are hurtful and make you feel bad about yourself or small or ashamed or embarrassed, then that's not the right board member and it's okay to fire that person. Key takeaway number two, call out your inner gremlin. That's right. When you hear your inner gremlin voice, you don't have to continue to validate it by connecting that negative emotion with that negative inner voice. Just as you can find evidence that you suck, you can 100% find evidence that you are in fact capable that you've done that thing before, and that you'll be able to do it again. In a world where we as humans experience emotions but have a hard time understanding them or articulating them, tap into those emotions. Start to understand what it's like being a human as you. Allow yourself to be that human. Life is gonna suck at times, work will suck, family things will suck. For the recovering perfectionists out there, yeah, perfection doesn't exist and that feels like it sucks because things are outside of our control. But just because things don't go one specific way doesn't mean your inner gremlin has all the evidence in the world and is right that you're crap at what you do. Flex that inner champion muscle too. Let the champion embrace the discomfort of heavy emotions. Ask yourself what you need to care for yourself in that moment and then remind yourself that you'll be able to figure it out. Every episode will have a reflection question, and this is yours for today. What is something that you can bring up to your board of directors for critiquing? Get uncomfortable this week and push yourself into growth. When you found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessica M-E-T-C-A-L-F-E dot Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Speak Kindly Your Listening. Remember, when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself. Would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.